Reef Therapy by Reef Builders is powered by ICP Analysis. What's in your water? Before we get started today with the Reef Therapy Podcast, just a few housekeeping notes. Number one, ICP Analysis is offering 10% off the code RT10 when you check out at icpanalysis.com. We ran into a disconnection error right around 9 to 10 minutes into the podcast, so you might notice a weird edit there. And the other weird thing is that I am not congested throughout this episode. I had to enhance my voice because the microphone was not selected during this podcast, so for Forgive me if I sound just a little bit AI. Without further ado, let us continue with the Reef Therapy Podcast number 68. Welcome to the Reef Therapy Podcast session number 68. My name is Remy. I'm joined by Reef Builders owner, Mr. Raj. And Mark is out on a two-week backpacking trip. So we're going to have a couple special guests helping us out while he's on vacation on this episode. Mr. Rich Ross. Rich Ross is currently an independent researcher and also... Uh, is part of the competition podcast Reef Beef with Ben Johnson. So this is where we kind of we see each other in the alley and we 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 duel, kind of like in uh, Anchorman. That's right. That's right. Uh, when, whenever I go to a show, I bring a shiv just in case. I'm bringing a trident. <laughs> uh, we're gonna start with some tank based therapy. I'll go through a little therapy session. We'll. Uh, also, th- there's some comments that we're going to talk about. Also, we're going to pick Richard's brain about all the things he knows about. So let's get to it. So let's start off. Uh, Raj, what are you drinking tonight? Well, you know, I have to support my local brewery. So another Sweetwater, but this time it's the Blood Orange Riddler. Oh, Radler. Wow. Radler. Yeah. Blood it's, Orange. Uh, it's a beer with some OJ in it, essentially. It's okay. better than that crap I drank last time. So the, the diet IPA. <laughs> yes, that was awful. <laughs> Rich, unless unless Sweetwater is going to sponsor us, in that case, it was fantastic. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> I have. Um, I'm drinking uh, Coke and vodka, but it's not Coke. I decanted this Dr Pepper into the Coke can and then with the vodka, and then poured it into a glass. That's great. Because As an Atlanta is, native, we approve of the Coke. That's, that's right. <laughs> the first time I ever went to Atlanta, I was wearing a Pepsi jacket. Oh, no. Uh, that I had gotten at a garage sale, and I thought it was the coolest thing in the world. I had no idea it was a thing, but I kept walking. I was, uh, what the hell? Why does everyone in Atlanta hate me? Yeah, you get beat up for stuff and, like that. And then someone went, you're wearing a Pepsi jacket. I went, <laughs> and Not then good. i probably wore it for the rest of the trip take that atlanta <laughs> uh i have uh one of my favorite companies elysian elysian uh Ooh. my favorite beer from them is called space dust but this is uh dank dust and i'm telling you <laughs> that when you open this it smells like marijuana there is none in it but it smells like it i don't know how they do it but Says an that's, herbal kick for added freshness. Yeah, that's so. like that uh, black uh, 420 that I drank. I don't know, a few episodes ago. Yeah, exact same thing. Yeah, smells like it, huh? Smells like it, but so none weird. of it actually in there. Yeah, my the my world. Uh, the world is insane. <laughs> if you guys, if you can get a diet beer that has no marijuana but smells like it. Yeah. Right. Like, the <laughs> yeah. world. I don't. This it's either the best ever or we're doomed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, I uh, I don't know. My father-in-law was here over the weekend, and I bought some Bud Select and also these, and I only have one left, so he must have liked it. Uh, but yeah, this he, this is really good. <laughs> what? I thought it was wheat. He thought, he thought it had yeah, marijuana. He's like, That's all right. <laughs> Pounded five of these uh, already, and nothing is happening. Yeah. <laughs> Well, Raj, uh, since uh, Mark's not here this week, uh, anything you want to get off your chest about tank stuff, aquarium stuff, anything like that? I am so behind on my tank pro uh, project. I started designing the sump, and then just with all our travel and other work stuff, it's just on the back burner, and it's it's always like that. You know, when 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 you do something for a living your projects for whatever that is, in my case, aquarium stuff, is always delayed. Like I'm last in line always. And it usually doesn't bother me, but this time I'm kind of uh, frustrated about it a bit because, you know, we're talking about it. I'm, get, I'm publicly calling myself out every week uh, <laughs> that I haven't done anything, you know, and it's not that I don't want to do it. It's just I keep having to push it back. And yeah. I don't know. I'm going to have to like stay up one night and just knock it out. And then, um, I don't know, bribe my guys to, to, to build it on the weekend or after hours or something. I, I don't know what to do. It's going to be pretty sad if I have to order this from somebody else. You are now your own client. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I am the worst client. <laughs> I will say you do represent a portion of the population that probably has a reef tank in their house, probably has one that they haven't set up yet, and just it continues to sit there because you just get busy. It's just how it goes. There you go. Um, yeah. I am well, their that's champion. How we, in radio, we look at it like that. You don't want too many people in the room with the same thing going on. Otherwise, it's just not fun. So you're just the guy with nothing going on. That's okay. That doesn't sound very cool. I'm not putting that on my business card. <laughs> I mean, you, you did go to take... South Africa, so... <laughs> And that was pretty awesome. So yeah. I have excuses. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Rich, anything you want to get off your chest? Uh, anything going on uh, uh, that's relevant at always, the moment? There's always something going on. But uh, I, I replaced my return pump, uh, which was a Fluval CS6, uh, which uh, I, I expected them to be terrible pumps. So I bought extras and they've been insane workhorses that never break. Uh, but I found a reason why I wanted a DC pump as my return. So I put a DC pump on it. Uh, and uh, what's killing me is maybe Raj knows the answer to this, actually. Why are so many of these DC pumps have an insane non-existent size threading for the intake and the output? Oh, that is your good old friend China talking. Uh, most of these companies are using a generic shell. Um, if they change anything, they're changing the internals. They're changing maybe the right. controller. They're changing the color of things. But the the base body is just your generic Chinese um, shell. What is one in three-eighths? I'm sure it matches up to something metric. <laughs> Go back on to Alibaba. Or proprietary. <laughs> no, well, because why did you change because, from the Fluval though? I mean, that's an Askol motor block, so it's a it's a proven pump. It's fantastic. I want the um, I want to be able to 
change the flow from my return throughout the day and when I feed. Hmm. The, re the return is kind of been, uh, and the closed loop as well, but more the return is just kind of pounding in one direction. Uh, and it's too much pounding. Um, and I figured I'd like to, I'd like to play with this too. It's been so helpful to be able to change flow with every other device that I have, uh, that it seemed silly that I couldn't do that with the return. Hmm. Um, so I found an easy way. I didn't have to take the fluval out. So the fluval is still plumbed in. All we need to do is flip a valve and the fluval is back on two valves actually. Uh, but, uh, and, and I wanted to see, uh, what the DC pumps were like. Uh, so it's a CHA. It's been great. It oh. connects to the Apex with no problem. But like the Apex pump and the Ecotech pump, the, it's got an insane um, way to try to attach things to it. Yeah, CHA uses their little proprietary unions on there. That's what you yeah, have, so, right? The little black. So, yeah. So yeah, yeah. I thought it would be, I have to do that. With the Fluval, there's just a, um, a inch and threaded a quarter bushing and adapter, inch yeah. and a quarter, and then it goes to inch and a half, right? Yep. Boom. If I could put that, maybe I'll 3D print it. Um, then I'll be able to swap those pumps back and forth, no problem. But I had to do some weird thing to make what it model, happen. What model pump did you go with? It's the Synchra um, 9. What if I told you I have something? Oh, I would love to know what that something oh, is. I might have a volute that you can swap. Oh, that would be magical. And that you and I should talk later about a magical volute. Uh, yeah, I told you I had something and then I lost you. That's the, <laughs> the magic is the gone. gods. The magic That's big is reefing. You know, that, big that is. reefing telling did, you not to tell <laughs> me about it. doesn't so. want you to have it. So I'm sorry. Clearly. You're going to have to go out with your people and poo on the street. I mean, don't know what to tell you. That's what we do. That's what we do. That's what we do. California. You know, Get her done. That's, that's how it goes. It sure saves time. Anything else you want to get off your chest, Rich? No, I'm good. Thanks. This is going so well. Mark is going to be listening. He's going to be like, they need me. They need me to survive. Uh, I will say this before I get into my little vent session, just about what, what's going on here. You guys brought out a side of Mark that I don't think I've ever <laughs> seen or even knew about. Like the filters were off during that Reef Beef episode. It's great. Um, he's That's the Mark I know from talking with him, uh, from, from not doing a show with him. Um, that's how Mark talks with me. <laughs> <laughs> normally so when i listen to reef therapy i'm like oh wow everyone's everyone's subdued yeah a little bit and i kind of like it it's kind of <laughs> it's kind of relaxing well it is it's clinical and therapy. precise it's supposed to be therapeutic yeah yeah i now uh, if we yeah, if we got yeah. than on then it would be something that would be you know you'd want to listen to it before you're going to sleep and He'd he'd soothe you to sleep with you know. We might have to do one with talk of sarcophyte. That's just all yeah. ASMR. That's what that's... Reef Beef has done a bunch of ASMR. Yeah. And as you as Remy was saying that, I was like, yeah, that's if there's no other reason to have Than on a show, it's to do ASMR for us. Yeah. So you guys do it. <laughs> you you said it first. It's yours. 
his place has been Don't come here covered so many times ideas. that we just want to hear him talk. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I think for me, my biggest thing that's going on right now is just I've I've got some maintenance in on I've got this really cool ten gallon cube over here, Rich. Uh, it's got a little Chicago, uh, large Chicago sunburst in it now. Um, and my two clownfish that I I brought up from eggs, which I think is cool, Uno and Dos. And uh, my biggest thing is I want to move everything around and I want to put a larger display tank behind me and I want to uh, do all the things. But it's just like finding the time to do that is really difficult because that's like a full day process to move everything around at least. I know, man. I'm still exhausted from the battery backup solution I put in that took planning and then the installation actually took a second and it was like really a huge letdown that it all just works <laughs> but I i'm still exhausted from figuring all of that out so i totally feel for you yeah yeah and then you know we're at aquashella and all the guys in these booths are setting up display tanks in three hours and you know fish and coral in them and everything and they look beautiful and i'm just like okay you're being a giant pansy right now just get it done <laughs> like if these guys can do it on the convention floor on an island basically without all your creature comforts you can do this in your basement so you, you know that was the thing at the at uh, when i worked at the public aquariums it, that made me a little i was very confused um me and and like matt wandell if we had to like turn over a tank and set up a new tank it was like a day half a day you know to reset a whole tank and other people it would be like months and like the tank would be down and it would be like you're just it's not you're you're just changing the inhabitants of how is this taking months <laughs> It was so confusing. Yeah. Just yeah. if you're, but you're doing more than that. You're actually moving equipment around. That makes it a little bit goofier. Yeah. yeah. I've kind of set myself up so that I, I can do it quickly once I'm ready for it. Um, but it's getting I ready. I just, it's I've, that I've, mental hurdle that we ready. have to jump, right? We, we overthink the hell out of things. And that's exactly what it is. It yeah. Is. It's, it's been three months of just thinking. <laughs> yeah. And then you think, and still on the day, you're, you got to fly by the seat of your pants a million times anyway. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I, the, the thinking's got to help, though. It's got to help. It's got to. But we probably overdo it. I think that's what Raj meant. By a long shot. By yeah. a long yeah. shot. I got this frag tank and it was it's been up for probably four and a half five years now and i i've gotten to the point where i love it even though it's my ugliest tank that i have <laughs> uh it's it's got a lot of issues but it's it's gonna be so hard to take it down i don't know what i'm gonna do so mm. what you need is tie. you need to have a team of people and you need to meet weekly and listen to everyone's ideas if everyone's idea is a good idea and take it seriously. Yes. Yeah. Um, and, and, have, then, and, and then and then ask for a budget. Yes, but you need people that are unrelated to whatever you're doing to join the meeting, and they have to be there yes. the entire time. Yeah. Yes, and then yeah. they need to tell you what it's going to cost, and then you go, "What?" And then they go, "No, really, that's all it'll cost, and it'll only take a week." It'd be great. Yeah. <laughs> I'll set up a whole mastermind group. We'll, we'll just we'll hang out and, and ruminate around it. Yeah, it'll be great. The Reefing Mindermast group. Uh, <laughs> we will make your project take longer. 
<laughs> Make sure Rich and I are in there because I'm pretty sure we had multiple meetings where we're on the call, but then we're texting each other on the side while we're on the call <laughs> talking about how dumb this call is and why are we even on it? So we can do that with yours. I think, I think one of the texts to you, Raj, was, I'm explaining what a needle wheel is again. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so describe it for those that don't know, describe your guys's relationship and where that started. That's do, a, do you remember where, how it started? I don't No, I don't remember. I, I know seeing you at Magna's or at shows. I know seeing you at also's. Yep. Um, the time that stands out of course is the, um, the uh, ranch dressing incident. Um, <laughs> Sorry, we sounds knew e great. We already but knew, we each, knew other. each other. Yeah, I know, yeah. but I, I can't, for the life of me, know where that started. Yeah, that's weird. I, I don't remember when we met, where we met, how we started talking. <sighs> I I think oh. I know when it was. This is going to uh, be good. I, did, uh, I was a, um, a visiting aquarist at Georgia Aquarium. Okay. Uh, for a week and a half, and I am pretty sure Steve Harder mm. took me to a store that you owned or something. Oh wow, that was that the first time. I think I remember be. seeing you there at night. Of course, that might have been a a, a trade show instead. Yeah, uh, it has to go. But no, I, it, it was we met before that for sure. It feels like it, it. Feels like but it, I think yeah. that's the first time. My memory is that's the night that we we actually talked. We broke out. Like, oh, that's Raj. Yeah, we we, we broke out. out. <laughs> we uh, <laughs> we played Rage Against the Machine and screamed all night. Yes, nice, <laughs> fantastic. <laughs> but we, uh, Rich and I did work together um, while he was at Steinhardt. Uh, we did a lot of projects together with well, me at MRC him at Steinhardt and then with Charles and when Matt was there with you too. So there was a lot yeah. of, a lot of stuff that went on there. We had a great working relationship there, but obviously we broed out. We broed out. Broed out. Yeah. Yeah. Made those so, giant, those ridiculously huge uh, GFO reactors that, yes, uh, that were too big to be functional. It was awesome. Those are great. They're still in use there. <laughs> They are now uh, carbon reactors because ah. they're not too big to be carbon reactors. Yeah. Yeah. Or they were last I was there. I okay. can't believe any that changed yet. I think the last time I was there, you were there. Oh, wow. Yeah. This was that before... was like 15 years. No, that was no. <laughs> just before COVID. Yes, just before COVID. I think it was, no, it, I don't know if it was just before. When when did we do the, the, the frack? Uh, change over on the big reef. Uh, we were working on that when I stopped. Okay. And I think that was so the last I, time. I, I, you were out for a meeting about that uh, when I picked you up in the city and you were, you were so uh, excited about sidewalk gifts. Yes. It was my first experience <laughs> in San Francisco. <laughs> stepped out of the, I was in an Airbnb. So I stepped out of the Airbnb right into a pile of, of human feces right there on the sidewalk. I texted Rich immediately. Was, yeah, to be thing. fair, you were on human poo street. So 
You <laughs> Isn't that known. every street? It's a thing. <laughs> it's a thing. No, it's but thing uh, there. they're 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 spreading. <laughs> <laughs> it's like Peachtree Street. That's a street that's a thing. It's like Peachtree Street. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's a thing in San Francisco, it turns out, right? It turns out if you don't have a if you don't live somewhere with a hard freeze, uh, you get people doing weird things on the street when they don't have homes. It's hard to have a home in San Francisco, I'd imagine too. Yeah, well, I, yeah, and I don't live there anymore. I live across the bay, so yeah, it's a little spendy. <laughs> and we got human poo. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, my first interaction—well, not interaction, but my first time seeing Richard was at an Aquashella. And the only reason I went to your talk was because I wanted to see the king of DIY after. <laughs> and it was so funny because the room was packed out. Like, and this was at the the White Eagle Convention Center or whatever it Chicago. was in Chicago. Yeah, just filled with you know, it was a labyrinth of a of a frag show. But I remember the like the whole room was packed, and. I do have to say that I was very inspired by what you had to say, not to fill your head, but the coral spawning presentation that you did kind of set me down this whole path of like, I want to do this someday. I want to, I want to do this in my house. And I feel like if we can make this, like you said in your talk, like if we can make this accessible for a hobbyist to do in their home, or at least get some sort of research done on this, how huge that would be. And then Joey got up there and talked about how much he made every month in YouTube. <laughs> and I was like, I'm kind of glad. I'm kind of glad that I, 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 I was here for your talk. So, uh, that, <laughs> thank you. That was, that was my, that was my first kind of, that was my first interaction with, with Richard Ross. So that, that's a pretty good one. Nice. That was funny. That was such a funny show. Joey was like all over the place that, that weekend. Um, and, uh, he was like, uh, oh, you, you know, you're a real person. I'm just a, I just a personality. I was like, I don't even actually know you. So I don't even know what to say um, <laughs> about this. And then the next day was the talk. And um, I was like, wow, this room's full. And then I looked at the schedule and went, aha, sweet, <laughs> sweet. I'll take this audience that isn't mine. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, that's one of the hardest parts about speaking at, you know, those conventions, I've done it a couple of times and at Aquashello, they gave me that, uh, that infamous 11 o'clock, 11 a.m. Oh, time slot when you have to have early entry to get in. And if you buy early entry, are you going to a talk or are you just cherry picking? I think you're probably cherry picking. Um, but Raj, you gave that talk, right? That 11 a.m. talk. I did because I picked that up from Dan. That was his, his tip that you take the first slot. Always request the oh. first slot because then you're done. You give your talk and you're done. Um, otherwise, you're just yeah. kind of thinking about it and, oh, man, I got to give my talk. I, I should do something with it or I should change this. And you're you're just kind of stressing or waiting or just thinking about it. And, yeah, so I picked that slot. But I didn't realize that it was the early entry period. And that that's, that's <laughs> just kind of a weird aspect of that show that most other shows yeah. don't have. Um, but it was good. Yeah, although, it was good to get know, it up, get it done, and get it out of the way. And I, I don't remember what time slot, which which um, Aquashella 
was it that you that you guys are talking about? Was that the, that wasn't the first year? Was that the second year? I think it was the second, second year. Chicago. Because yeah. I spoke yeah. at the first one, and then I didn't at the second. But I was yeah, there. You and I, you and I may have gone for burritos. That may have been the time we went walking yes. looking for burritos. Yes. And we walked through that sketchy neighborhood. Yeah. Well, it's, well, it's, it's Illinois. It's, the it whole is. place is <laughs> <laughs> so much human poo. There's no poo. None. Uh, yeah, we did go for burritos. And it, but we rode, that, we rode that mechanical bull first. Was that the one? We uh, did ride yes. that mechanical bull. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> Sounds about right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, the guy in the comment section who always lets us know when the actual choral talk starts, uh, I think we're probably at like 28 minutes now. So, uh, Rich, I do want to hit you up about choral spawning if you're not too uh, sick of talking about it at this point in your career. Um, oh, I did it. I did it in here in this room last year. Yeah, I, so, I just I feel like that's I've had a couple of friends who are who have gone scuba diving on a spawning night oh, and yeah. just the I feel like if I was in that moment, I may cry in my mask uh, just just seeing it because it's so spectacular, at least from what I've seen on, you know, National Geographic and things like that. Um, but I I think one of the biggest points of your talk that I took away and what I had previously mentioned was that. Can we, is it possible for an intermediate slash advanced hobbyist to do something like this in their fish room, in their basement? Uh, I, yes, because I did it and I'm an idiot. So anybody else could do it. Um, but I want to say about the magical seeing a spawn. The first time I saw a spawn was in 2011. We were on an expedition in the Philippines and there were three of us in the water, me, Wendell, and uh, our director. And we were on a night dive and we had, there was no information even when spawnings were going to be happening in, uh, in Philippines. Um, and we're swimming through the water. And I remember going, what is all this shit in the water? What is all, oh, I'm sorry. What is all this stuff in the water? What is, what is going on? What? And then at about the same time, all three of us started going, hey, Hey, you're screaming through our, our regulators because we all realized what was happening at the same time. And then we were just in like we were in what you think it is. You know, sometimes it's not as huge as all that. But this was the whole reef for gosh yards and you know, 50 yards going off at the same time. And it was it was really like being in a blizzard that was going up. It was it was so surreal and so incredible, and uh, I don't think I cried, but I was screaming because it was so cool, uh, and we had no idea it was going to happen. It was the most one of the most uh, incredible serendipity moments I've ever had. It was it was pretty great. So just no forewarning at all. You weren't like in a time window or anything. You just happened to be there the night it happened. Yep. Wow. And it was one of wow. the only night dives we did on a coral reef. The other night dives were looking at bobbit worms and stuff like that. So really we just nailed something. And then, and then I started working with the sea core people and then, you know, went on a bunch of, I've seen a lot of spawnings more in the Atlantic than in the Pacific uh, or the Caribbean, I guess. And then, um, then started the lab uh, for Rebecca at the Academy 
in 2018 and then um, built this actually behind me in, I think it was 2019. And then the corals that I got just as, just as the pandemic started for a spawn in April, um, they were delayed so long that after about a week, they all just died. Oof. And it was, I could, it was too late to get anything else. So then it, then I couldn't get anything till after the pandemic. And last year I was able to do it and it was great. Uh, I'm halfway done with a video about that. So when that comes out, I'll be sure to share it with you because it should show kind of how to do everything. But your question about, can you do it in the home? Uh, yeah, I don't see why not. The, the hardest part. So there's probably two steps to it. The first one I would say is set up the system so it can make the spawning happen. I, we actually asked me to go back one more step before that. But I think for the first spawn, you don't care if you actually have different genotypes of coral. You just want to see if you can get them to go. Because um, finding different genotypes of the same species might be hard. Uh, that might be the real stumbling block right now for people doing it at home. Because what I'm going to do is just get 10 corals uh, of the same. I've uh, got a, uh, a vendor who will do this for me, get someone to collect them for me three or four months before the spawn and um, of the same species from different areas. And um, they should then be of the different genotypes. The plan then would be the next year to spawn them in the tanks and not buy, not get any new corals. Um, but sometimes the spawn is really hard on corals and I ended up with none left after the spawning. So, so there you go. So you so lose anyway, some of the, you lose some of the, what, mother colonies when they spawn? The parent colonies. colonies? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sometimes they put out such a big energy expenditure. Um, also, um, I got them in. I didn't want to dip them or anything. Right. Mm. So then after the spawn, uh, about a month after the spawn, I was like, these should still be doing okay. And then I dipped them. It was like, Oh, well, that's, that's, <laughs> they're getting dipped next time. That's, <laughs> you know, but you know, when you set up for this, it's like you get it three or four months before the spawn's going to happen. Then you got to keep them alive and healthy for all that time. And you've got to keep light pollution off of them. So they will actually spawn. So it's it's a whole, I'm sure this time it'll be a lot simpler. And I'm sure in a year or two, it'll, I'll tell a story like this. So people are like, what? You just flip this. You just close the, it doesn't even matter. What are you talking about? It's easy. It's like clownfish. Um, but now it's like everything is an investment. And like we were talking pre-show, just agonize over every choice. Yeah. Um. And uh, yeah, so I did it. It was great. I got a bunch of babies. I didn't uh, I didn't care for them particularly well at the beginning of the year because I wanted to see how far I could not really care for them. How You can do infinite amounts of work uh, with baby corals uh, because everything wants to kill them and grow over them. So you have mm -hmm. to do a lot of work in a microscope, pulling algae off and scraping. And that's that that doesn't stay fun. That really gets. <laughs> not fun uh and the more you have the less fun it is <laughs> yeah you need a, yeah you need a so secret once, lab once they intern. do settle <laughs> right well somebody asked me about that they said you know what is your survivability compared to like what jamie uh at horniman museum is doing i was like that you can't even I, i'm a guy in a side room jamie is at a facility that has backing to do this with full staff it's not 
It's yeah. not the same world. So are you following his setup or did you do some sort of modified version of it? Uh, a modified version, but that's all kind of basically the same. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the heating, the heating program is from the paper he wrote because um, it works. Yeah. Uh, the lighting program is essentially that as well. Um, and then telling the program what to do is a little bit different. Um, but it was very cool this year. It was a split spawn, right? Which sucks for me because I plan to have a spawn in November. And I was like, woohoo, going to Mexico the first week of January. <laughs> and uh, then had more spawning happen on the 18th of December. Um, actually, it was supposed to be the 21st of December. But um, I scooched the moon forward a few days. <laughs> and, they sp and they spawned a few days earlier. Wow. Um, which is just awesome. That's yeah. um so yeah, that was pretty great. So it looks like this year is not going to be a split spawn. Split spawn, I'm sorry, is sometimes they spawn over two months instead of going big one month. Um, we don't know why. We don't know well, anything. I'd, I'd imagine uh, that's easier on the coral. Yeah, I don't know. They don't always do it, though, is the mm. thing. So it, it seems to have something to do when the moon actually ends up falling. And uh, this year, people who are smarter than me about this don't expect it to be a split spawn. So it's this year's that I'm going to use to make a general um, spawning, um, uh, what's it called? Sequence of events program um, that <laughs> I can then give to you and go do this. And yeah, if you want yeah. them, you know, so. And you should be able to go if you want to if you want your spawn to happen in January instead of in in april instead of december you just slide everything right so what happens yeah. in december is now happening but but you need a year build up to that so the corals need to be in system for a year maybe more because you've changed their natural rhythm um so like i was saying in a long meandering way i think just trying to get stuff to go off is great if you can get a couple of genotypes is great you got to decide if you want to do if get what we call gravids if you can even make that happen or you want to wait the year and let them go. So I'm gonna on two of these tanks are not on the spawn system on the spawn schedule and the display isn't. I'm gonna throw them on and then we'll see if I just have things go. Um, so it's actually about time for me to put them on that. So not this year but the next year we should be getting spawn. So two things that I remember from your talk are, and this might have changed since then, but you had mentioned something about how you need to get uh, coral that already has is has eggs. Yeah, is that so, that's still true? So we uh, you don't need to, but uh, we call those gravids, right? Because they're, they're okay. already yeah. ready to go. So the gametogenesis takes about six to eight months, which is a pain in the ass. Uh, and then you got to keep those corals alive and happy for that amount of time and hope it all works, um, which you can do. Um, what we were doing uh, in Rebecca's lab is we didn't have time for that every year. We just wanted them. We needed to have spawn because the research was about what we do mostly with the embryos afterwards. Right. So it wasn't could we get them to spawn? We needed to have babies so we could do the experiments that we wanted to do on them. So it made a lot of sense to get gravids because then, the, you know, the, the, the simmering for six months, you don't have to do. You're, you're a little more worried if you stress them out and they spawn early, 
you've just wasted everything. But um, we're pretty good at shipping them now and, and making sure that doesn't happen. So if, if you can get that, you can do that. Um, it's going to be more money for to, to find somebody who will do that for you. Um, but you can do it. Uh, or you wait 12 or 18 months and make sure they get on. They're all on the same cycle and then they should go off for you anyway. Does that make sense? It's, yeah. it's still, it's still weird and nuanced and esoteric and there's lots of possibilities to go. Um, so what I generally tell people who are interested in spawning is get some, uh, PDAM, some Damocornis, Postulopera Damocornis. And because they will often put out um, larvae uh, every night that you could collect and it's easy and you don't have to do any fertilization because they're internal brooders. They just pop out larvae ready to go. And then you can actually play with larvae and get a feel for what they look like um, and what they kind of do. So that's, that's like an easy no brainer. Um, and then so I've got one a, of those in my tank right now. If yeah. tonight that will happen. It could happen. Uh, could what happen. you what you want to do is make that so that colony is removable, or you can put it in some other container overnight. Uh, you can just clip it to the front of the tank so you don't have to do any kind of filtration either. You don't have to worry about water moving through it. Uh, and just put a, a you know some air in there for some motion. And then when you wake up in the morning, you pull it out and then you look around and you you know, you learn to spot the larva that often people are so excited. They go, that one. And you, uh, that's snail poo. They know it's a larva. <laughs> Put it on the scope. Oh, it's snail poo. Um, but then very quickly, <laughs> it becomes very easy to spot them. And then, and then it, it's, it's really cool. And it's such an easy way to, you know, get some experience uh, with larva. Yeah. It's it's just a simple, great way to go. Um, we used to take them out and, you know, put them in, uh, like a PVC with micron mesh on the end. So there was still water passing through. And, and, um, when I started doing it last year here, I just like, I literally took like a Tupperware that was deep enough and just put them in there or a bucket, just put them in there and clipped it to the side with the air stone. And then in the morning, just pulled a colony out and found them. Um, huh. they, they will settle very quickly, uh, sometimes. So you, you kind of do have to look early in the morning, Otherwise, they're already attached to the side of the container, um, but 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 it's still pretty easy and it's really fun and it's kind of it's so, so cool. Like it's this so is cool, cool. stuff. <laughs> it is so so cool. But I feel like uh, Damocornis, Every like a lot. That's, that's an average hobbyist coral that most people have at least experimented with at some point in their in their hobbyist career, right? Yeah, and then they hate it because, because it's, it, yes. uh, it spreads. But <laughs> yes. people people thought and uh, think think that that's polyp bailout. Yes, and it's, it's not. It's that's because the, they'll put out some every night, but they'll also mass spawn. So um, it's not polyp bailout. They're letting out larva, and the larva go and find a place to settle down, and then right in the middle of your you favorite have... colony. So then it nukes yeah. it from the inside. Yep, that's right. right. That's yeah. right. <laughs> So if we could get a pretty PDAM, yes, our lives would be super awesome. Right. Yeah. But that coral sucks. But yeah, and it turns out that uh, it's got zozanthellae that really like to go in every other coral baby. Um, uh. So yeah, my my millipora were not bright green. My baby millipora, they are bright green. 
<laughs> so that's that's pretty funny on its own, I think. But other than so it being West, cool and just it, playing around with it, I guess getting experience with it, there's what would be the point? What would be the point of a home aquarist? Well, I hope next, I for me, oh, for, not for me, for a regular home aquarist. Yeah. Um, our hobby, and to a certain extent, the science of our hobby, is really based on a million monkeys doing stuff until we find Shakespeare. And uh, Jamie found the first Shakespeare play with in this realm, and that's amazing. And now we just need to do it faster and easier. And you know, it's it's the uh, reef aquarists are the masters of of going, hmm, I don't think that's really going to be important. So let's see what happens. And, you know, clownfish used to be hard to breed. Yeah. Now they're a joke. Um, oh, come and, on. And that was really... Um, come on. That You're hurting was, their feelings. <laughs> it's still awesome. But now they're guppies. You know, it's now it's like, Dang oh, it. whatever. Now you don't even need to give the babies live food. It's the world is insane. So crowdsourcing but, the science, essentially. Essentially, right. yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, when I, when my Uno and Dos that are in my display tank were done, you know, it was like rotifer cultures and, you know, being scared every day. And, and now it's so much more well understood and easier to do. So, yeah, I think crowdsourcing it and the more people that do it, the you know, I'm a big fan of um, of. Uh, information for information's sake and experience for experience sake rather than having goals. So sure. But I, we I, get I think whole... there's a big misconception that we're going to be able to reintroduce these corals, right? So if, if hobbyists or home aquarists start spawning corals, they're going to want to reintroduce them, which is not going to happen. And sh in most cases should not happen. Correct. Um, reintroductions, a whole thing. Although, um, Uh, I don't need, no, we'll talk about this another time. <laughs> um, yeah, reintroduction is a complicated process. Um, if reintroduction becomes not a complicated process, we have way more to worry about than coral larva. Um, and, and we should be worried about reintroduction because, as you can see with um, sudden tissue wasting loss disease or whatever it's called in the Caribbean that's just killing stuff, um, we don't want that in in the uh, in the Pacific, right? Right. So, and we don't want diseases from the Pacific in the Atlantic or the Caribbean, where the corals are already super compromised anyway. So, we really want to try to keep pathogens apart. Um, you know, is that a crazy thing? You know, does the world need to change? Maybe. Um, uh, but that means we're giving up on something important. We're giving up on biodiversity in a way that uh, is unsettling, to say the least. Was that a pun? Right. We could. Yeah. Oh, Please it is now. <laughs> now that I now that I know about it, it is. <laughs> yeah, I feel like that's a thank you for clearing that up, Raj, because I feel like from from my. Uh, I mean, you guys are much more experienced than I am in this, and I think when you hear about spawning, you immediately go, we're going to save the reefs like that. You know, that's how we're going to save the world. And I thank you for clearing that up because I okay. feel like that's, that's a, but like you said, Rich, it's like information for information's sake. It doesn't hurt. And 
you know, I feel like from an aquaculture standpoint, we're kind of doing that in other corals anyway in the hobby. It's just, it, it happens in a different way with, you know, a lot of, a lot of different corals with the gametes and all that. Sure. Um, and, so, and it could, you, you know, hobby has had significant impacts on the science of saltwater animals. Um, we, we just do because we're a million monkeys doing stuff all the time and we discover stuff and it's like, Oh yeah, no, these lights just work better. We don't need to wait for, you know, for a peer reviewed paper that, uh, <laughs> uh, the sodium mercury lamp kills everything. And, uh, you know, the metal halide doesn't. Uh, so that's the kind of quick turnaround that we get from not being rigorous. Well, um, because it's the not downside really, of, we're not really a hobby per se at this point. Right. It's it's a lifestyle. <laughs> I mean, really, it is when you when you think about it, we're, we're living and breathing. Oh, that's this, good. Right. It's a hobby like golf. You don't really live and breathe it. But with with reefs, for some reason, we can't get it out of our blood. It's always yeah. there. We're always kind of churning and thinking about it and living it. It's very much to me like a lifestyle. It's it's it becomes part of us, not just a, a hobby just seems to cheapen it. I don't know. Okay. Does that make sense? Okay. Yeah. Cause you can just uh, stop with a hobby and, and I don't feel like any of us could really stop being reefers. So I, I like that you call a, an addiction, a lifestyle. <laughs> I think that's, that's a nice reframing. <laughs> My wife as I walk in with another coral. Okay. Okay. All right. right. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Science, huh? Okay. All right. Yeah. My wife, why are you buying a 200 amp hour battery and a controller? Right. For the for the tank? What are you doing? See that that's beyond um, a hobby at that point. We we have gone well beyond hobby here. We're Well, yeah. I don't know. I think uh the RC hobby certainly gets nutty. You know, remote control stuff. Mm -hmm. People have fifty thousand dollar <laughs> RC planes. Um, the car hobby is sure more expensive and crazier. So I don't, I don't yeah. know. I think I uh, think there's a spectrum, right? There's a spectrum. Always, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So Raj I mean, I would both ends. <laughs> <laughs> He's gonna have people install his reef tank for him. So <laughs> I will say that this. The, I think one of the things that's very exciting about this lifestyle. Um, the Raj lifestyle That's is that a lot of it, TM, uh, a lot TM. of it feels like, um, like good old fashioned 1800s, 1700s, you know, lab bench science. I got these animals here. I'm going to cut them up. I'll put them on a rock. Watch what happens. Yeah. That's insanely cool. Yeah. It's way cooler than when you do it with plants. And it's super cool to do with plants. You just pissed um, off all the plant people. <laughs> um, whatever. We did get our mention in for plants though in this episode. Just want to throw just... it out there. <laughs> we should just have a, a big battle. The plant people versus the reef people. Uh, so it, it it feels like you're doing stuff and you are doing stuff. And, and I think that's also why the controllers are becoming, you know, their own thing. You know, it's almost, you could almost set up a controller cabinet and not have a tank uh, and be excited by your controller cabinet now. 
which I totally understand. It's uh, way easier to set up that than to make an ecosystem. And it's also, you know, uh, you guys tell me what you think of this. That feels like the hobby is shifting into like a collector mentality rather than an ecosystem mentality. And I think I've seen all these aquascapes that are like candelabras with little pedestals. And I see people putting their collecting things on it. And I even see when it gets, you know, people going, oh, it got green. We better get a new one and bleach that, bleach that rock so it's white. Um, or if it gets too big, they chop it up, you know, because yeah. they want to keep it small. And I totally get that. That's, you know, you can be, you can, you can plan to have that for three years in your college dorm before you move and not feel like it's just getting its, its feet under it uh, as, a, as an ecosystem by the time you have to tear it down. Uh, so I think that makes it much more accessible. But um, and now I've told you everything I think and why. And so you can't disagree <laughs> with me. <laughs> I think that's why I keep a frag tank, though. And I think that's why a lot of people keep a frag tank is because you've got your display and you have a direction. You know how hard it's been for me to keep other coral out of this one NEM only tank? Uh, it, it's it's a thing that you that you think of. You're like, man, I want to be like Raj and put one rock in the middle of this thing and call it an aquascape. But you just, it just develops and it keeps developing. It keeps going and it keeps going. So I think if you've got, you've got another place to put it for, I don't know, if you want to call it collector pieces or whatever, there's a lot of stuff at my local fish store that I'd love to have that yeah. just wouldn't play nice with my other two display tanks. So... Um, but yeah, I think it, especially you see that at, you see that at all the frag swaps, you know, these nothing against the vendors at all had great talks with the vendors, um, most specifically about the names of things and how, if they do not call them names, they do not sell. And I get that unfortunately, but, uh, you know, you see it, it's just all the prize colorful pieces and it takes going through with Chris Meckley to kind of see the different, <laughs> the, the pieces that everybody's overlooking. And they're, you know what I mean? There's, there's one Ganyastria that nobody saw, but is probably the coolest coral in the whole bunch at Aquashell at Dallas. So, yeah. uh, and there's room for all of us, right? If, if, yeah. if, if you, if you want to find that one Ganyastria that's got a line like this instead of a line like that. And that's the coolest thing to you. I love you. And you should find that if you want to have the most expensive pieces, because that's what jiggles your wiggle. You should jiggle your wiggle. If you want to have a ecosystem, have the ecosystem. I do yeah. think people forget that the ecosystems change and grow constantly. And you know, it's like the worst baby ever because uh, you have to chop it up once in a while and you have to really like remove because it grows up and dies from the bottom. Yeah. Every once in a while, you got to pull out a big chunk of stuff. Um, but I think there's, I, I, now that I kind of understand kind of where I think it looks like the hobby is going. Um, now I, I can feel good about it before I was just, you know, two years ago, I was just a little confused about what was going on. And I think it was Joe, um, uh, Joe from unique who went, no, no, it's about a little display. That's more temporary. Now I was like, Oh, that makes so much sense. It's not always about that, but yeah. if I was a vendor, that's who I'd be going after. Cause it's all about volume, right? Or the one piece that's a million dollars. Yep. Yeah. Hmm. yeah. And Rich yeah, has I've killed the conversation on therapy. <laughs> <Well, 
the, I've got a I've got a buddy, and, and you've met Raj. You've met Tyler. Yeah. He was with us at at uh, Aquashell at Dallas, and he has just these cr- these great examples of you know of like a like a coastal reef tank, and he just keeps you know gorgs and mangroves and weird sponges and just cool stuff like that that you don't see. He he runs it under white light, full spectrum, no blue, and it's it's just like the coolest thing. So easy to photo- uh, to photograph, by the way, and and take video of. <laughs> You don't have to throw an orange filter on it or whatever to see the coral. But, uh, you know, I, I feel like there's a lot more of that happening in the hobby, too. Um, you know, I always bring up Dennis in Seattle, who's got macroalgae tanks that look like freshwater tanks. And those are really cool. Also aesthetically appealing. And I'm sure there's a little bit of collectoritis that happens with oh, a cool new macro that we haven't seen in the hobby yet. I want to get sure. that. But uh I, I think there are those guys that are pushing the limits and pushing the bounds into other directions. Yeah. And I love that. You know, I think Julian Sprung's tank is probably one of those tanks that people see in an old reef builders video and are like, gosh, it, you know, it's, it's so beautiful, not under blue light, under full spectrum. I appreciate it in just the same way or if not more, you know what I mean? Yeah. I love Julian's recent talk about his pond because his pond, the, the, the whole pond thing is like, well, I like urchins and I like um, mangroves and I like this one coral. Oh, and I like clams. So that's what I'm going to do. And that's kind of all that's in the pond. You know, yeah. he put some other stuff out there because he had to. But it's like, that's that's the direction I would be excited to see people going. What do you actually like? What that, do you want? That instead was my... of just stuff yeah that was my big reef tank it was oh i like this i like that i like that i want it all and it was just Mm. this giant hodgepodge which when it grew out it ended up being pretty spectacular because it had so many different types of corals and it and clams and fish and but there was really no rhyme or reason to it it was just my impatience and my collectoritis in in a sense but that was pre the name game before all the names got really big. And then you had to go after all the specific lineages and all that. I th- that was in the early stages of lineages where you would have to name the person you actually got it from. And then that person had proven <laughs> that he had bought it from this other guy. So it was a real, you know, rich Ross quarrel because it was three people removed and there was proof that it was three people removed. Um, now it's totally different. But, and I don't get into the the small, the, the tanks where it's just the small little booger frags, but you have this collection of them. I I can't get into it. I, it doesn't appeal to me. I, get, I know what you're saying. Yeah. But we people can't. love it. And it's like... People love it. It's like watches, right? People want to collect different watches. And it, it's the whole collectoritis thing that... Well, I... I I, I I think it's weird to collect watches, uh, but under no circumstances am I going to yuck anybody's yum, yeah. except to make a joke like I just did. Yeah. It's <laughs> that's you've got some cash and you want <laughs> you want a watch. Get get all the watches you want, man. It's got nothing. Ain't, ain't no yeah. skin off my game. But it, yeah. I, I look at and it. I think as that's the same a, thing. that's a good analogy, though. Yeah, it's a great analogy because then uh, Rich, I don't know if you saw the latest video for Rebuilders, but we we actually went to a luxury watch place in Dallas because they had a reef tank there, and I was under the impression that it was a little bit more 
mature than it was <laughs> when we got there. But, you know, it's fine. You know, it, I think it was a good consultation for Marco, the owner, who then also went to Aquashella to pick out a whole bunch of corals for that tank. But, I mean, we, we stood in front of a watch. Um, I don't know what you like, Raj, but $195,000 for this, it looked like a toy. Yeah. It was crazy. And I and I, I don't want to, like, diminish the fact that there's probably a lot of craftsmanship that has gone into it. But again, it's it's kind of like, you know, your spliced acros and all those acros that are costing a lot of money. And it's a tiny little frag and you don't understand it. But somebody does. Somebody gets it or likes it or whatever. Um, but it might just just might not be your cup of tea you know what i mean yeah i mean i, I like watches but i that one just doesn't the rms just don't do it for me i can't i just can't get into it not that i have an extra 200 grand laying around to just slap on my wrist but yeah yeah rich you had mentioned at one point uh not to, to we're kind of looping back around to the spawning here but how difficult it is to keep algae off of the settled um larvae yeah uh, um, the settlers yeah man the settlers yeah yeah uh i at one point and i don't know if it was you or somebody had said something about baby urchins yeah yeah so um uh jamie crags again just going basically going i am tired of looking at a microscope with dental picks and picking at little things it's making me crazy and it's too time consuming and there's no way we can scale it up which is the other you get, outside of the hobby it is for coral restoration and there's a lot of work uh there's going to be some mega facilities coming up soon uh trying to take advantage of the spawning um but it's got to be easier so cold culturing um herbivores along with your baby corals is a great way to go the the the, ur the baby uh tuxedo urchins uh, up to about 10 millimeters, 10, 12 millimeters won't hurt a single polyp, a single settler. So they're great. They get around there and they graze it and they help keep it clean. And then all you have to watch out for is uh, coralline algae taken over um, or hydroids or any of the other million things that wants to kill a baby coral. But uh, algae is just green algae is, is vicious and quick um, because you're dealing with stuff that is so teeny, right? So yeah, um, Remy's so now if that. you can get, if you can get, if you can get baby urchins, you throw them in at the right time and they grow up kind of at the same time and help keep everything clean. To go um, along with that flow for in a settler tank, is it, is it rapid? Is it, I, I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I don't I know love the right answers. I'm going to do it I a little that. bit differently this year. Um, and you know, they need to eat, but the, the question is, do they need to eat in low flow or do they need to eat in high flow, which is better. And I got some video of them eating and it wasn't in very quick flow when you can see a spiral happen in the polyp and a little bit of food goes in and then they eat. Huh. It. Wow. So, cause they're not really sticky yet. So mm. I don't know, maybe they don't even really eat for the first month, but they don't even, they don't really need light yet. They probably need some food, but what are they eating? Are they eating bacteria that's just landing on them? Probably, but uh, we don't, I, I don't really know. Uh, so yeah, I don't, flow is a crazy thing. And uh, I don't know. I do want to point out, if you want to know about spawning, 
uh, I think it was the 2021 January issue of Coral Magazine has got an article by Carrie O'Neill, uh, who's at uh, who's in Florida doing spawning work, um, amazing spawning work on mostly uh, local corals there with the Florida Aquarium. Uh, an article by Jamie Craggs um, at the Horniman Museum and an article from me about different takes and looks at and how-tos about coral spawning. And those three articles um, are really nice primer. They, they really kind of cover everything. Uh, so I recommend those if you're interested in spawning. Read those, read Jamie's papers, then contact somebody who you know about, who knows about spawning and they'll be much, you'll get, the discussion will be much more useful than tell me what to do. Yeah. I, 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 you got to decide what you want to do. Yeah. I hope that, I hope to at least with these kinds of conversations that we're having now to spark some interest in that area, you know, yeah. to, to get, to get that super curious hobbyist. All right. Knocking on Rich Ross's door, Jamie Craig's door and just seeking more information or after reading those papers, you know, having half of it set up and we just need a little bit more information to set up the rest of it. You know? Yeah. If you, if you come with a, with a, some kind of foundation already, it's so much more exciting to us to, to help. Um, and, and we will, cause we're, we're dumb and we love the, we love this lifestyle and we want other people to be addicted to it as well. You know, it, it's funny. is so cool. I, in the, in, in the reef, in the other room, the display, I've got three kinds of uh, tubastria and they all spawn. I've got settlers from all three of them, the black one, the green one, and the yellow one. Um, and every time I find a new settler, it's like the most exciting thing in the world. And it almost makes me want to set up a tank just for uh, tubastria uh, to look at the spawning. Cause they're kind of like a prettier um, Damocornis. Uh, except they're not an acro they're not a, an sps coral at all neither is damocornis an acro but um they do the same kind of thing and them just doing their own thing uh in the other room uh is super exciting you know the first you know the black and green babies i found i'd lost my mind I, I don't know if those have been done um and the way to do them is leave them alone for a while that's <laughs> that's my happy. style <laughs> And feed them. That's what Julie says. It, Leave I'm her out. alone. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so there's lots of. Be... I just want to say there's lots of spawning stuff to do, and if anybody is interested at all, you should do it. Matt Peterson is going to try to do it in a vase reef. <laughs> really? Wow. Him and his vases. <laughs> I love it. That's awesome. Well, I, I want to be cognizant of your time. I know you, you're, uh, mm. you've got a, a little bit of a hard out here to yeah, about crap on a lawn minutes. somewhere. Yeah. Yeah, about four, no, in the street, on a sidewalk. Oh, in the street. Oh, sorry. sorry. I apologize. Not the street. The ask... street would be uncouth. Uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I do want to ask, what, what is your favorite uh, story from public aquarium life? As a good out. <laughs> I'm going to tell one different than Raj's. My favorite story from Aquarium Life was being in the 212,000 gallon reef tank on an auger mask, a full face mask, doing a public show, right? So there's a presenter out there and there's audience and we're talking back and forth and they're asking me questions and, and I'm blah, blah, blah. And all of a sudden I feel something on my face and I go, oh, that, that can't be, that can't be good. 
while I'm still talking. Oh yeah, corals they grow, <laughs> oh, yeah, polyps and zoos and thai. And I feel this thing and it crawls on my nose. It's now on me. And I get a look at it and it's a cockroach. <laughs> and the cockroach starts crawling straight to my eye. Oh my gosh. And I'm like, can I wait this out? I'm going to try to wait this out. No, it's coming from my eye. And no matter, and I am just now scared uh, because, ah, cockroach eye. And I went, I'm having a little problem with my mask. I'll be right back. <laughs> Swim up to the top. Ah! There's a tender up there who's going, whatever. There's a roach. Turn off my mic. And then we get the roach out. <laughs> I can just imagine what this sounds like off mic. Yeah, it was like, ah, there's a roach in my eye. As soon as they said your mic is off, I uh, got it off. Oh, Put the my thing back gosh. on. Go down, finish the show. <laughs> Oh I, my I gosh. love that story. <laughs> Meanwhile, the cockroach was like, oh, this is pretty sweet. This I can cool. breathe under here. And wow. Yeah. All and of I, these fish can't hurt me. <laughs> so uh, so check your mask uh, before you put it on. Yeah, I, I <laughs> totally would have freaked out with that. That uh, it, was, it was Star Trek Wrath of Khan that ruined me with that. With the absolutely. whole thing. They put it, in, you know what I'm talking about, right? It goes in oh, your absolutely. ear. Absolutely. Yeah. Sorry. Game over for me. I I was so freaking studly for the first twenty five <laughs> seconds of it. I was like, yeah, I can I can pull this off. The show's only three or four more minutes, five more minutes long. I can I gotta go now. No, I would have started screaming. The mask would have come off underwater. It would have been a epic uh, show, all for everybody to see and hear. No way. And then the fish would have pulled it off. The cockroach. Yes. It would have been awesome. You would have gone viral for that man. <laughs> I like that. Claim to I fame like that right story. There. There's a lot of good stories, but that's a good that one. That, a came good, that is a good Thanks one. Thanks for asking. I haven't that's, thought about that one in a long time. That's a really time. good one. My favorite Rich Roger, you story. Have a, yeah. I have a favorite story of Rich in a public aquarium. Where he I was wonder in, which it is. <laughs> where he was visiting Atlanta, and he thought he was, oh, I'm Mr. Badass, Richard Ross. Show me the top of the uh, whale shark exhibit. And what were you doing? Were you trying to take a picture, a selfie, or... Video. I was taking pictures. Yeah, I was taking, taking pictures, pictures of the whale shark. Taking pictures, getting closer, getting closer, and spoosh, there he goes. Yes. In and the tank. In the in the tank. In the big tank. And the best part Dude. about it is we have video of it. We have oh. video. <laughs> so can we put you, that on here or absolutely it's on YouTube. You I, I will pull it. Oh. Down. We will put it up yeah, there. Get, I will I have it. Get it. Oh good, good. So do you want the story? I, could, I got a couple minutes. I could tell you what happened. Uh, I was there for the week, right? And I was getting more comfortable with the tank. And in front of the, the, the area where I was taking pictures, there's a piece of fiber grate built into the platform, a long piece along the edge. Um, so I was using that to know where I was in relationship to the edge. It turned out I had moved down to a place where there was no fiber grate uh, along the edge. So I thought I had space. <laughs> and so I kept moving forward <laughs> till I felt myself falling. And then I jumped because I had the camera, right? I jumped. I was able to jump a little bit. And there was a whale shark under me. <laughs> so I jumped over the whale shark kind of and had my camera up like this and, and saved it. And um, got pulled out. 
and there was no fiber grate there because it was over the banquet room for the Georgia <laughs> Aquarium. And in the banquet room, it just so happened at the time, on their coffee break from their week-long conference was the International Whale Shark Symposium <laughs> that all saw me fall into the tank. I immediately got out of the tank. Everyone's like, are you okay? I'm like, I'm an idiot. Steve Harder's like, what the hell was that? <laughs> what are you doing? You've been in there four times. You needed one more time before you left. And um, I had to walk across everything soaked. And everyone was worried about my camera and my phone. Both were fine. And uh, then they laughed and I was like, I'm okay. And then I went, oh, other damage control. So I get on the phone and I text I don't know if you were on it, but it was like Mitch, Carl, and Matt Wandell, and and my boss, and like, who's got two thumbs who just fell into Ocean Voyager uh -huh. one? This guy. It's like I gotta <laughs> own it, and I'm dripping as we're walking across, and somebody, you know, from the Whale Shark Conference goes, "That was you, huh?" And he's like, "Yes, that was me." Hi, would you like a selfie? Yes, you would. Okay, <laughs> I'm the guy who fell into the tank. So that, that's what happened. And uh, I, I get called up to Chris Coco's office, who was the curator at the time. And he goes, let me show you what happened. <laughs> just like 40 minutes later, he's got the video from security cameras. And they went, please give that to me. And he said, yes, I will. That's great. That's why he's a legend. That's fantastic. Yeah. What a great story. Oh, two great stories. Yeah. Um, Rich, uh, thank you so much for being on the Reef Therapy Podcast. Uh, you are a treasure, that is for sure. <laughs> my my absolute pleasure to be here. Is, I'm thrilled. I'm thrilled. Thanks for having uh, me. Yeah. If you've got any comments, questions, anything you'd like answered, please put that in the comment section below on YouTube. If you're listening to this on the audio-only version, just hit us up on Instagram or on the YouTube version of this show. Uh, I'm going to link to as many of those articles that we talked about in the show in the uh, description as well. So Jamie Craggs, the uh, the Coral Magazine stuff that you guys did, all that. I'll link that in the description below so you can read up on that before you hit up Rich with awesome. any of your questions. Oh, and, and also uh, check out my website, uh, King of DIY. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, uh, uh, Reef Beef. I'm supposed to say Reef Beef. Okay. <laughs> uh, thank you so much, Rich, for being on the show. Uh, thanks, Raj. And uh, we'll see you back here next week. Thanks, guys. See ya.